You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Matt Gunn, joined today by Jenny Potter. Hi, Jenny. What's up? <laughs> so we are recording here live at Shop Talk 2018 in Las Vegas. And if there's any one thing that I can say about this show, like it's incredible the amount of energy and focus being dedicated to just simply transforming the entire way that retail is done right now. We're kind of past that whole apocalypse narrative, and we're getting very proactive about bringing in new technologies, new business models, new solutions to get products to customers faster, smoother, and more seamlessly than ever before. Right. The shift has happened, and now we're onward and upward. That's right. And so with this episode, I'm really excited to welcome Pradeep Ellen Kumaran, CEO and founder of Farmstead. Pradeep, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, and tell us a little bit about Farmstead and what you do and how you're changing the grocery game. Great. We are a AI-powered digital grocer. We are also a full-stack digital grocer. That means we do everything from curating a thousand of the best items in every single category holding inventory at our own warehouses. We call them micro-hubs because they're two to 3,000 square feet. And we do last mile delivery to your doorstep, usually under 60 minutes. That's amazing. And so with that model, are you basing around large urban centers where you have a lot of customers? How do you achieve the scale to be able to provide that type of service fast and quickly? The 60-minute delivery is usually in a city. And we are actually suburbs first. We started off in the suburbs of the Bay Area. And in the suburbs, you have a longer delivery window that is fully cold chained. And where are you sourcing? Is it typically from local yeah. farmers? Yeah. How does that work? So it's usually local farms. Uh, produce is a scary space where every day things change constantly. So we work with a lot of aggregators who help us maintain quality and also work with a lot of farms in the summer when they're actually producing. That's amazing because you're taking some of those concepts of the local farmer's market, but you're giving it scale and immediacy right in an app form, right? Yeah, so it reminds me of, I mean, I've been part of a couple of CSAs. And the great thing about CSAs is that you get, you know, local produce. You Sometimes you can have it delivered, but you know it's coming from somewhere local and it's typically organic. You can choose an organic farm, all of that. But the only downside is that, as you know, with the CSA, you have no control over the product. So you just get whatever you get that week. You know, it doesn't matter if you have allergies or you're out of town or whatever it may be. So it sounds like with Farmstead, you get not only the benefit of knowing that your your produce, like what you're feeding your family is local, sustainably grown, all of that, but also you have the control to choose your preferences. Exactly. And it's funny you bring up CSAs. Historically, local farms have not had a lot of places that they can market. And if you think of a traditional supermarket, they rarely prioritize local produce. And Whole Foods was doing that for a little while, and now they're not doing it as much. We've all heard the news that they're pushing back on local vendors. But there's really no real way for local farmers to push their product out into the marketplace locally, which is why they have to resort to things like CSA boxes, which does help them market directly, but at the same time comes at a cost to consumers. Yeah. And they also don't have the dollars to... I mean, these are these are small businesses, you know. They don't have the dollars to be marketing to their communities. And when those huge chain grocery stores aren't, right. you know, what benefit do they get from investing in these small farms when they have huge suppliers? Right. And software is the great equalizer here where we can bring platforms that connect supply and demand very well. And Farms have started with this tenet that we will always have, we will always connect perishable supply to digital demand. And not a lot of companies have really figured that out before. The last one that tried aggressively is now a Harvard Business School case study in what not to do. So <laughs> we're trying well, not to go Well, let that them wrong. go well, first and then you yeah. start. <laughs> 
But clearly there's an opportunity here. People do want to know where their products come from, and especially the food that they eat. What is it about that traceability, about that provenance in grocery that you're able to tie into and show the consumers? Well, let's take a, a step further back. Grocery is a almost $800 billion space in the U.S., What's really shocking is that only about 8% of the people in the U.S. have actually tried buying produce online. And if you think about it, it's really, they are very anxious about what they will be getting. And it's usually produce that's the problem. It's fresh produce. Because in most people's eyes, the big bad business does not have the right incentives in mind to align themselves with the consumer. So why would you send me perfect avocados? Why would you send me perfect bananas? It's actually the opposite. It's in everyone's interest that you get flawless avocados because it's usually their reputation. Right. Right. It's very personal too. Like, you know, I live in South Carolina and we're a little persnickety about things like tomatoes would be right. a great example. So I don't know that I trust anyone to pick out tomatoes for me. I mean, right. even a family member. Right. <laughs> like, no, you're not going to do it right. Right. So this came up a couple of times during Farmstead's history and it's, it's always a thing that we talk about. But uh, the example that I always like to talk about is bananas. So we started with organic bananas and people kept saying that the entire store was expensive because of organic bananas being what they are priced. And then we added conventional bananas and immediately with the same amount of items with the same pricing except we added conventional bananas. Now people are asking us, how can you get the prices down so low? This is amazing. And then a lot of our consumers started telling us our bananas were not ripe enough. And we kept asking them, what, what do you mean? Well, they're not ripe enough. I make smoothies with them. I need them to be ripe. And we said, oh, this is interesting. We can turn on a new SKU called Smoothie Bananas. And we turned on a new SKU. And that SKU is now selling about as much as regular bananas. I was going to say, yeah, yeah how, do you, how do you deal with things like that? Because I only like bananas that have a little bit of green on them yeah. still. Yeah. And other people, yeah, they. if I'm making banana bread, obviously that's like, that ain't going to work. Yeah, so the way we do it is uh, we're still working on this. It's, it's a lot of customer research, quite frankly. We flesh out these various stages of ripening. So bananas usually come to us green or green-yellow, and then they slowly ripen over the days. Sometimes we turn on a skew bananas for the week where we have to give you two green bananas and two yellow and green bananas into, yeah <laughs> that is. Oh but we God. can do all this with code and this particular bit of code that I'm talking about is the same kind of code that allows us to do recipes where it actually takes these thousand items and combines them into recipes so that you can order immediately and get a recipe delivered to your door in 30 minutes if you're in San Francisco yeah how's and that working in like the subscription market I mean that's yeah well it's interesting because the majority of farmstead's revenue is weekly customers yeah and our weekly customers are effectively opting in and they're saying, I would like a delivery once a week in this particular window. And we give them full flexibility. They're not committed to any particular dollar amount. They don't have to buy the same things every week. They can buy, add, remove anything that they want. And people don't leave. They retain for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. that's actually been a big issue. Because like, I've done the, the meal kit boxes. Yeah. You don't always get much control over what's coming to you. Or Certainly. something comes up. I don't, I'm not going to be home tonight. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Know? Maybe I forgot yeah. to skip an order and I'm traveling to Las Vegas that week. What happens to it then? Yeah. Because my patterns of cooking aren't yeah. consistent as I'm going to cook three kits a week or That's I'm right. going to use these exact ingredients. Totally yeah. agree. So I would much rather have it on demand. Right. And so, you can do that with Farmstead. And what markets are you in now? Are you in the Bay Area? We are only in the or? Bay Area. Okay. Yeah. And when are you hoping to expand or like how is that scalability going to work? Fast as humanly possible. Yeah. So <laughs> we are looking to 
uh, we can scale supply really easily, uh, mostly because we don't, as I mentioned before, hit the traditional supermarket supply chains for produce. So most of our produce comes locally, and whenever possible, I mean, we have a tenant inside, buy as local to this particular hub as possible. And uh, if, for example, we turn on Seattle, then we'll buy from the local vendors from Seattle and Poland Farms from San Francisco, if that is actually the closest farm to Seattle for that particular kind of item. And one of the best things about this has to be the difference in assortment between markets, yeah, right? Yeah, I was just going to yeah. ask. So, yeah, a person in L.A. or San Francisco is not going to have the same taste as South right, like Carolina. Right, I, I can get fresh sourdough in San Francisco, and yeah. if I'm in Seattle, like, bring me a whole fish. Exactly, and yeah. we can do that. And, of course, our selection varies by hub. And even milk, like milk from Northern California to Southern California varies. If we turn on New York, it's a different kind of milk. Yeah. But we can work with those local brands and we can work with the national brands. Of course, we'll have Cheerios everywhere. If you have children, you have Cheerios. That's just a thing. (laughs) Why do they like them so much? Yeah, I know. And in each of these markets, do you imagine that the last mile is going to be a big component? You keyed in on this a little bit. Yeah. So my background is from Lyft to work on driver growth at Lyft. And... It is very clear that we are at a new age where there are people who are relying on pretty good, well-paying jobs, but they want to work on demand and they want to work with bringing their car and their labor. So historically what's happened is this set of people have not had a lot of stability in their income. So at Farmstead, our delivery drivers are, there's a pool of delivery drivers and they opt into shifts whenever they want. And we have three shifts a day that they can choose from, and they have until the day of the delivery to adjust those shifts. And we give them a minimum commitment of three hours that we pay out. So if you get your route done, and of course we don't do point-to-point drop-off like a DoorDash or Postmates, we actually do routes. So you you come to Farmstead, you pick up 12 stops, and then you go drop them off one by one. And as the number of deliveries per hub increases, the probability that you will be delivering to neighbors is very, very, very high. So in our best routes, mm. our delivery costs are very low single digits. We've seen that model in, in Europe where, yeah, you, yeah, that delivery driver becomes part of the community as well because you're seeing them consistently. Yeah. Sort of like the ice cream truck coming you, around. You trust right. that person yeah. because you see them every time. Is that a lot of the key right there? Because, you know, you use some shopping apps. It's just a random picker that will go to a grocery store, grab some things, and then bring it to you. Right. Others, you know, certain services are fully online. You can go and you pick what you're getting, but you don't really have much control over the delivery windows, things like that. Yeah. Is that a big differentiator for you guys to have that consistency or to have... Well, the consistency of drivers is something that we aspire to. Mm-hmm. And there's code in our system to help us get the same drivers more or less in the same spot every time. What is interesting is concurrency. Because as a, a micro hub scales, it services a much bigger radius than a traditional supermarket. So think of a Safeway or a Whole Foods, they're more or less a restricted to... Store. Or, or a neighborhood store. Yeah. Right? It's pretty much that, like yeah. a five-mile radius. Right. right? So uh, the Farmstead Hub in San Francisco services from San Francisco all the way down to San Jose, which is a pretty big swap. Yeah. It's like almost 40, 50 miles. Yep. And we aggregate all of that demand in, which means that there is a very real possibility that the week after this week, it'll be very fast growth in demand which means we have to have drivers to keep up with that demand. And having a fleet of vans in the old model, that is no longer feasible. So we wind up relying on 1099 contractors for that concurrency. Sure. Right. And we may in the future wind up having fleets of vans, but at the moment we're growing so fast, it's breakneck speed effectively, that even if we have a fleet of vans, we will most likely miss delivery windows. 
good problem to have. Yeah. So I have to ask, <laughs> from my own personal experience, um, one of the biggest last mile challenges, especially in grocery for me, is wine. So what's what's your opinion on this? Like, are, are you guys doing booze? Like, if you get into wine country, like, why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that is a really... That's a local commodity. That's something people crave and want. And, and that is a huge industry in terms of agriculture for especially Northern California. So how do you solve the last mile issues? Is that something you're looking into doing? Or We are. We are definitely looking into adding wine and beer to start with. Yeah. And it's funny. There, there are people who buy $20 bottles all the time. And then there are people who buy like $100 bottle every two weeks or so. Yeah. And we, of course, want... They're already our customers. We just are not selling them wine. So as fast as possible, we'd like to add on wine and other beverages. Now, from a delivery standpoint, it does get tricky. Yeah, there tough. are local rules. There's county rules. There's state rules. And even in California, so we have to treat a little bit carefully as we are stitching this together. Yeah, it's a tough one for sure. I'm looking yeah. forward to someone solving this one. I've heard this challenge come up before, <laughs> by the way. So. Yeah. yeah, you'll hear this a few times. <laughs> so, so Jenny has put it to many out there. She's thrown down the gauntlet that someone is going to solve the wine last mile. Yeah. Come on, Farmstead. Come on, Farmstead. Um, but as we look kind of ahead, I mean, clearly your algorithms are starting to get to a point where you really know the customer, you know the patterns of which they shop and what products they really like. Are you ever going to see a day where the things that I need the most or the things that I use most consistently are just going to be automatically brought to me? That day is here. We already do that. Um, so, But it's an opt-in. So our weekly order is effectively what you just described, where you can set up staples of your whatever you get when, from our store, milk, eggs, yogurt, bread. For me, it's two half a gallons of milk and some broccoli and some steaks, and et cetera, et cetera. And it just keeps showing up. Right. My wife's not happy about the steaks, but, you know, like, <laughs> overall, we're, we're doing okay. And then, uh, <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, so at that, at that point, we, you know, for every customer, of course, there's a difference. So you set it up, and it keeps showing up to your doorstep unless you want to skip the order. For example, your shop doc, and maybe you're traveling somewhere else after that. You can skip as many weeks as you want, and once you get back home, you'll have an order waiting I love for it. You. I buy the yeah. same thing every week of my life. No, that's great to it have that changed. consistency and the yeah. certain staples in the life that yeah, you do. Like if I never had to order another set of paper towels again or store a bunch of paper towels in my house because I don't have that much space, yeah. it'd be great to have it brought to me when I needed it based on my patterns of usage. The milk problem is really why Farmstead was started. Uh, my daughter started drinking a lot of milk and she was two years old and she would only drink whole milk. And I would try all of these services to bring stuff to me, and they would always screw up, and I always have to go to the store. Or I would go to the store at 10.30 at night. and Well, something done right, right. you got to do it yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there's, as a consumer, there's nothing worse than, than ordering that product, and it's the wrong one. And with food, when it's such a limited self-life to begin with, right. you know, like... You're not sending it back. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. you got to make the best of it or not use it and waste it. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of waste in the food supply chain, it would seem to me. That brings up a very good point. So... At Farmstead, we use AI to reduce food waste. It's a very big deal at Farmstead. So historically, supermarkets have thrown away 35 to 40% of their perishable products. Shameful. Mm, exactly. And yeah. as technologists, and my co-founder and I were not from the grocery industry, we're technologists. So when we look at this, we saw that number. It's like, that number is very high. Why is this number so high? And we found out it's a data problem. It's, you have these storefronts that have a baseline of inventory, and it's very difficult for stores to predict how much more to stock or even how much to stock to begin with. So they wind up overbuying because it's usually one person per department manually placing a buy with the vendor. They overbuy and they wind up wasting it. 
So we apply AI to this problem, which is we take every bit of data that we have on every single item over the one and a half years, almost two years that we've been live, and we ask the system, how many bottles of milk should we carry? And it says 232. And we buy exactly 232. And we don't buy anything more. And if we're off by four or five, then the next week the system learns by itself and doesn't make an error. Yeah, so you like, that sounds like science fiction it's to me. It's all about me, trusting but the machines. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is just by doing this, our food waste in comparison to a supermarket's 35 to 40 is under 10%. Crazy. Right. And it's going to get lower. Yeah. Now, you're doing this and you're running your own supermarket brand. These other supermarkets, the ones that are legacy brick and mortar, that are the neighborhood stores, do you foresee a day where they're going to start looking technology in the same light? Or is it going to take them a long time to get to that point where they really understand the consumer and personalize their supply chain for that local need? Well, personalization on a per-consumer basis is very difficult if you have a retail store. It's much easier when you have an online store. But it's not that, you know, I mean, we are a shop doc here. There's a lot of grocers, and of course, they're all thinking about technology. It's really a question of foundations. So the existing grocery industry has been built on many, many, many decades of operating in a very particular way. And in order to move food around in the country a little bit differently, we have to retool everything. And that's what Farmstead's doing. So it's a ground-up retooling using technology of all of the hard parts of grocery and stitching it together so that you as customers get the best possible experience. You're sitting on your couch watching Netflix, you're tapping a few buttons on your phone, 30 minutes later, your groceries are done. And the going. wine, here comes the wine. And the wine. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've got a great day, exactly. Oh, that sounds like a good vision. Where can we learn more about Farmstead and where will we expect to see you next? So you can find out more about Farmstead, farmsteadapp.com. If you're in the Bay Area, please sign up and Next, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. But it sure sounds like there's a lot of opportunity out there in that space. Thank you, Pradeep. This has been another episode of Supply Chain Radio. Be sure to find us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. Thank you for listening.